Shalom, everyone. This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself. It is uh, from the book of John, chapter 8. Feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will find archived blogs by my dad. You can sign up to uh, sign up for those in the uh, little subscription box, email subscription box there. There's also links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, And you can also subscribe to our Shabbat messages on your favorite podcast platform provider, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever else is out there. And if you would like to leave a review, that would be cool too. Our music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. Feel free to check him out on evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Uh, Turn to John chapter 8, continuing to work our way through the book of John. So, uh, uh, if you remember, Yeshua had gone uh, down to the temple, and he was teaching in the temple, and he's getting into it with the Pharisees and the leaders of the day, and uh, then he, uh, he departs to the Mount of Olives, and in the morning, we're going to see here, he gets up and he goes back to the temple and continues his dialogue uh, with the scribes and the Pharisees. And uh, it's pretty interesting. You have a number of things here that we're going to see. The woman taken in adultery. Uh, that's uh, an, an interesting, um, a very interesting dialogue that they have. And then um, he talks about knowing the Father and knowing Him and being like Abraham and having the faith of Abraham and the seed of Abraham and the Word of God and all these things as he has this, this discussion with them. Uh, and whose father they, they are of because of the fruit that they're producing. Because the Bible talks, and I was just actually talking to a client about this yesterday. She, uh, she was involved in 4-H and lots of agricultural stuff, and we were talking about how the Bible and so many of the parables and the relations, uh, that the way it relates to things is very agricultural uh, with seeds, and it's related to the Word and uh, food and, and and even the the biblical festivals because she she grew up in a or is in a conventional you know Christian church and I was telling her how you know we're ce- celebrating so- Sukkot starting tomorrow night and how all the biblical holidays are all around the agricultural cycle in Israel because it was all about if they obeyed God would bless them send the rain the crops would grow they'd eat and they wouldn't starve to death and then they would go to the temple and they would bring a Thanksgiving offering of what God had provided them uh, and bless God for uh, f- 
fulfilling his end of the deal. And so you have all these agricultural things. And so when you get into the, uh, into the apostolic writings and New Testament, you have these pictures presented and used that if you don't understand the history of Israel and Abraham being a sheep herder and a herdsman and agricultural cycles and what they planted and the way that things worked within Israel, you'll, you know, you'll kind of, you can get a misunderstanding of oftentimes what Yeshua might be talking to and relating to. So it's really important to have that stuff in mind. The New Testament assumes you understand the Old Testament. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's uh, as one teacher I like says, there's nothing new, it's just true, and, uh, which, is, which is true. So we'll get into this and, um, and, and read through it. <clears throat> it's not too long. Talk, talk about it as we go, and it should be, should be good. So first, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you for this Shabbat, this day to be together, to read from your word. Uh, and to uh, learn from it. I just pray that we'll be blessed, that we will bless you with our lives and our actions, uh, and that we would live out your word in faith and in diligence and uh, in action and words and deeds and thoughts, uh, and that your spirit would, would lead us and guide us and teach us, as we know you will. And uh, thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay. John chapter 8. <clears throat> 1. Yeshua went early under the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. If you notice, Yeshua is an early riser. <laughs> and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. It's important to note these little things. Like, so he's there at this biblical festival. Um, I think they said, I think, yeah, it's tabernacles. And, and so, huh, coincidentally, right about what we're going to be getting into tomorrow night. So he's there, Feast of Tabernacles. And part of the reason, too, that he goes into the Mount of Olives is that everybody, they would build sukkahs all over the Mount of Olives. And so they would be camping out, essentially, out there. So Yeshua is out there sleeping in his sukkah, just like we're going to be doing. And then he gets up in the morning, goes back into the temple. And uh, <clears throat> they, there's another interesting point that I'm, I'll point out as we kind of go through this, because he makes reference to being the light. And um, we'll talk about that. Uh, so, so anyway... Yeah, there you go. So in the morning, he comes again back into the temple. All the people come to him. That's what I wanted to say. So you have all these people from all over the country that are coming. They want to hear from him. That's a big deal because he was commanding the attention of the people. I know I've hit on this eight ways from Sunday, but, you know, he was a very disruptive figure, obviously. And so that's why part of the reason the scribes and the Pharisees didn't like that because everybody came to him and listened to him. So they weren't getting the attention and... Uh, uh, as the, the, the spiritual leaders of the day, he was. So that was a big deal. So he sits, sits down and he's teaching. Verse 3, And the scribes and Pharisees bring unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, uh, and when they set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses commanded, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Yeshua stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Yeshua was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst." 
uh, we'll keep going. When Yeshua had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has, hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Yeshua said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And thus Yeshua approved adultery. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not true. So uh, what, what conventional teaching teaches, uh, Christian doctrine, whatever, is that, see, Yeshua abolished the death penalty uh, and did it, it, was a, it was a confirmation of the doing away with, of the Torah. And so, you know, he said, no, no, we're doing things differently. Guys, you don't get it. You know, we're not stoning people for, uh, for this particular sin, I guess. It kind of depends. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting how we as people tend to speak on uh, both sides of our mouth based on where our emotions lie. Well, this seems barbaric to stone a poor woman. But somebody who, you know, murders baby, obviously we want to kill that person. Well, you know, we're supposed to judge with just judgment. How do you judge with just judgment? There's a standard. There's the code. There's the law. And so it needs to be meted out righteously and properly. So what's actually going on here, and you need to understand the context. That's why we always have to, we need to be, um, uh, have good exegesis, not be, what is it, eisegesis? I don't know. I'm going to brutalize it. Anyways, you're not supposed to read stuff into the Bible. You're supposed to read it based on what it's telling you. <clears throat> so what's going on here, and it tells us, 6, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. So there's something going on here. There's something. I shouldn't say <laughs> Sorry, songs pop into my head. <laughs> what it is. Anyway, so there's something happening here. And <laughs> what? <laughs> ah, good song. Uh-huh. Um, okay, I'm derailing myself. So, <laughs> so they're they're trying to catch him. That's the first thing you need to know. This has nothing to do with the woman. They are using the woman as a trap to try to ensnare him so that they can accuse him of something because. They're, they are trying to um, box him into a corner where he says, you know what, you're right, this dirty, awful woman. Let's get her. Well, they know that they have actually brought a false case to him. One, he can't legally condemn this woman anyway, right? Because who does the judging? It's the Sanhedrin. So they can't bring, him, bring her to him, and then she, he makes the judgment and they're all like, yeah, and they start stoning her. So that's a false case. So if he says, yeah, you're right, guys. Secondly, the Torah states, if you, have, if you find a woman caught in adultery or a man and a woman, you have to have the man and the woman present. You can't just have one of them. You got to have the man and the woman. Then you have to have two witnesses. Then those witnesses have to stand before the judges and they have to validate those two witnesses. Then, after those witnesses are validated, they have to throw the first stones. If that does not happen, the case gets thrown out. And so there's a whole stepwise process here. So they're trying to catch Yeshua in between a rock and a hard place, and if he says, yeah, you're right, guys, let's stone her, uh, then they say, ah, you're, you're, you're bad. And if he says, um, 
if you say, you know, no, we're not doing that, then they say, you transgressed the Torah, you know, and so they're, we're, you're bad, and then they can catch him in. <laughs> what he does is beautiful. He knows their hearts, he knows all of our hearts, and so he, he he's the master at flipping things right back on them. And so he says, um, well, first, he doesn't say anything. This is, I love that. Which, which is really a beautiful thing. A lot of times if somebody's trying to catch you, a nice awkward silence does works wonders. <laughs> if you can handle it, if you can handle it, a, a nice awkward silence can really work in your favor sometimes. So, so he basically, he just stoops down, he starts writing in the ground. Now there's a lot of debate, what did he write? Did he write the, uh, <clears throat> did he write the commandment in the ground? I personally think he was writing their names of these guys that brought him in in the ground. And the reason for that is it says in, I should have looked this up, but I think it's in Jeremiah that all those who depart from me, their names shall be written in the earth. Another word saying to write something in the earth, in the dirt, the earth, the snake crawling on his belly, eating dust. The earth is the place of death. And so if your name is written in the earth, as opposed to in the book of life, you're dead. You're, you're not with God. You've de- all those who have departed from me, sh- their names shall be written in the earth. <clears throat> I think he was writing their names. <laughs> ah, I just think that's great. Uh, so he stoops down. He, he's right in as if they don't curse. So they keep asking him. They're berating him. He, he says unto them, in verse 7, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a, so- a stone at her. So he doesn't even go directly to the commandment, he doesn't argue, argue legal things. He goes straight to the heart of the matter because he knows that they are trying to catch, catch him in a conundrum. And so he says, uh, you want to play this game, you know, and set yourselves up as the judge of right and wrong here in this situation, which necessarily applies that you're basically putting yourself in the position of God. If you are going to mete out justice and judgment and you're going to set the standard of how laws are supposed to be upheld and behold, you are basically now the lawgiver. Therefore, you're out with sin. So who is it? Which one of you is it? So start throwing the stones, guys. Let's go. But they don't. They cave. And so the old ones leave first because with age uh, and time, you get humbled, you get a little wiser, hopefully, and, uh, and you know better. And so they leave first, and, and then the young guys eventually leave. So it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful passage. It has nothing to do with the Torah being done away with. <laughs> yes, in the back, what's your question? Well, to jump off what you just talked on last week, how this is a perfect example of how, you know, Christianity... So the comment was that... Yeshua came not to destroy, but to fulfill the law, which he did. Fulfill meaning he upheld the Torah. If he had of, um, if he had of changed something or said, yeah, let's get her, he would have actually been destroying the Torah. He would have not been upholding it. Uh, he would have been, you know, I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. And so he would have been doing exactly the opposite of what he said and contradicted himself. So you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. He upheld the Torah. He didn't change the Torah. This is, it's interesting how in modern Christian teaching, it's a 180 degrees opposite of what it is. We're told Yeshua is doing away with a big thing in the Torah, whereas in reality, he is establishing the Torah. They had corrupted the Torah. I don't know about you guys, but I used to think like, uh, 
for instance, you know, it says, except your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I used to think, like, man, these guys were doing all of the laws. So, like, how can you be that perfect? But that's exactly, again, 180 degrees wrong. They weren't doing the Torah. They had corrupted things. It was, it was a mess. And so that's why, and we had talked about this somewhat last week after service, that he came to reestablish, set things right because a big change was coming for Israel. The temple was going away. The people were going to be scattered. But God knew that needed to happen because he had to gather the hearts and he had to gather the exiles. And so the, the word of God has to go out to all corners of the earth for him to be able to gather back in his scattered sheep. And so if the temple had stayed, if he had stayed, nobody would have left. And so the time was coming. Plus, the system needed to come down because it was, it was corrupt. It was uh, fleecing the flock. So he's, he's in there setting things right and uh, doing a good job at it. So keep going here. Okay, so then he stoops down again, and then he keeps on writing. So verse 10, he lifts himself up, says he's no one but the woman, says unto a woman, where are thine accusers? Had no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. She said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So he, because he can't condemn her, because there's no legal case for him to do such. But what he says is, go and sin no more. So he doesn't say, you're off the hook, you didn't do anything wrong. He says, you got lucky. Get out of here and you better not ever do this again, basically. Um, you know, I don't know, when you were a kid and you get that kind of, you get by by the skin of your teeth type of thing and you're like, you can get out of there real fast. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's what he says to her. Okay, so then 12. <clears throat> Yeshua then spoke Yeshua again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, and thy record is not true. So before we get into all of that, I want to first talk about this uh, verse 12. Yeshua saying to them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So all through the scriptures, all through the Tanakh, the Torah is spoken of as, as light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He, well, he didn't just pull this thought out of thin air and, and talk about that. What they would do is during the Second Temple period, during Sukkot, they uh, would, because it was commandment, every night you're supposed to have a festival, you're supposed to eat. Uh, the first and last days were, were these big festival days. And so what they would do is they would build these giant candles. What they would do is they would take the old robes of the priests and they would make these huge uh, candles and they would uh, light them on, drip them with olive oil, and then they'd light them on fire and it would make these really big, um, really big giant candle things that would kind of light up all of the city or the whole area. And so uh, then all the people were together and it was one big festival happy time. So Yeshua is there and he's saying, I am the light of the world, which is saying a lot. It's a really big thing. That's why they say, you bear witness of yourselves. Like, who the heck are you? You're just bearing witness to yourself. If you're going to basically claim to be the Messiah, the anointed of God, the word of God, everything that the Tanakh prophesies about, you need to show us your credentials, essentially is what they're saying. And we're going to get into how he, how he answers that. But that's why it's a big deal that he's saying, I am the light of the world, because as you read through the Tanakh, 
he's saying that I, I am the word of God in flesh among you, here to teach you, here to lead you, and the only one who can save Israel from their sins. He's claiming to be the redeemer. So, it's a big deal. It's not, it's not just a little thing. And so he's playing on all these little things that are happening in the time. All right, so the Pharisees therefore say unto him, 13, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record's not true. Because you, in the Torah, well, and he's even going to tell us, you need two witnesses to verify a matter. Uh, 14, Yeshua answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Because the reason being, they don't ex accept him for who and what he is, is, is why he's doing that. F why? 15. Ye judge after the flesh, flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. <laughs> so he's saying, I, I do have two witnesses myself is, is a witness because I've proven who and what I am by what I've done and how I've lived and acted. His, his miracles, all the things and different things that he's done. And the Father bears witness of him being the Word of God, again, validating himself. And uh, so, and then he's, he tells them, you judge after the flesh. You're looking on, you're, you're looking at things uh, not according to the Word of God. They're operating according to their own judgment and their own flesh. They're not judging according to the law. So, 19. Then they said, uh, uh, Then they said unto him, Where is thy father? And Yeshua answered and said, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, you have neither known me nor my father. And the idea there isn't like, you know, hey, Yeshua waved to him over there as he's walking by. The idea of knowing there in, in the biblical sense is, is of actually of a, of a husband and wife relationship. It's an intimate relational knowledge. Uh, and so uh, he's saying, you don't know me and you don't know God. Because if you, if you had uh, known the Father, you'd know me. And if you know me, you'd know the Father. That's why, that's why, you know, it's, it's easy to think like, or it's, it, it's in the Messianic movement, there's uh, those who think that, um, well, it gets murky what all kinds of people different say and, and, and believe, but just because someone's a pious Jew, uh, works really hard to keep the Torah, if they don't have Yeshua, they, they don't know the Father, is, is the nuts and bolts of it, because... Uh, as Yeshua says, you read the scriptures, for in them and you think you have life, but those scriptures speak of me, yet you will not come to me. And so you can do all the right things physically, extraneously, but if you don't have an intimate relational knowledge, uh, that there is, no, there is no relationship there. And it's kind of the same thing. We see this illustrated in life very clearly. It's like, you can have a kid uh, that does all the right things, but doesn't operate, but, but, but you don't have his heart. You know what I mean? They can, they can do what you say, but they're, uh, they're sitting down on the outside, but standing up on the inside. You know? So 
You can go through the motions, but unless your heart is where it should be and you actually have a relationship, the actions will not last. Eventually there will be rebellion and there will be a falling away. And so uh, Yeshua is saying, you don't, you don't know me and you don't know the Father. And he's going uh, to elaborate more on this. Verse 20, these words spoke Yeshua in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. 21, then said Yeshua again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then, the Jews, then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whither I go, I cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath. Again, talking about like the dust and the dirt. I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So he's pretty clear cut telling them that you, you are living in death and separation from God. You are not one with the Father because if you don't accept that I am the Messiah, you're going to die in your sins. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty blunt. 25, then they said unto them, who art thou? And Yeshua said, who do you think you are? <laughs> Basically, and Yeshua said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. He's like, I've already told you who I am. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard from him. They understood not that he spoke of them of the Father. So they're not following him because, again, they, they don't have his word in them, which is what he's going to tell them. Uh, and they, blah, 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 28. Then said Yeshua unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father that hath taught me, I speak these things. And he, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Yeshua to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hear that verse quoted all the time. Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, what, what, what does that mean? It's contingent upon the previous one that says, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What are they going to be free from? He's going to go on and he's going to elaborate. Sin and death is what it will, what it will free you from. Otherwise, you're a slave to sin. You're, you're, you're a servant to something. You're either a servant or you're a son and a son of God. So he's going to go on to elaborate this. Uh, 33, they answered and said, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? So they're saying, wait a minute. You know, what, what, we don't need to be freed because we, we are, we're from Abraham. And uh, Yeshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. So if you're a servant, you, you, don't, you, you don't abide in the house. You're, you're not an heir to in the family. You're not a part of the family. You're just a hired servant, and you're a servant to sin and death. Whereas if you are adopted and born again, you are brought into the house as a son, and you then partake in all the blessings that come with that, that come from the father and being an heir now to, to the family. Um, 
30... That's why he says, the Son abideth forever, 35. And if the Son shall therefore make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So he's starting to make a subtle, albeit not subtle, differentiate. He says, I know you're Abraham's seed, i.e. you've got Abraham's DNA bloodline flowing through you, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. The word is, 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 is often through the scripture compared to being the seed of the word of God. And so he's saying, there's no word in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. So again, he's saying, I know you have Abraham's seed, but, but he's starting to tell him, Abraham's not your father because my word's not in you. Therefore, the seed of, I'm cutting to the chase, seed of the faith of Abraham isn't in you. Therefore, you're not Abraham's seed. You're of your father. And he's going to tell them who their father is. <laughs> uh, you do that which you have seen from your father, with your father. 39. And he answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. So they're kind of doubling down here. And Yeshua said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham which we are told what he did. He taught his children to walk in the words of God. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard from God. This did not Abraham. So he's saying, no, you're not doing the works of Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then they, so he says that again. And then they say to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So they're kind of raising the ante here. They're saying, you know, we're, we're not from... Uh, uh, idolatry or whatever or of some errant seed you know they're they're the children of God they're the chosen people they're Abraham's seed and that is what they're putting their stock in they're saying we we come from the right lineage and heritage and we have the oracles of God and all these things and he's saying no it's not it's not what's coursing through your veins you can't be um you can't go through a conversion ceremony and be, magically become a Jew and now you're in the kingdom. It has to be a transformation of the heart. That's why the word of God, his seed, sperma, has to be in you. That's how you become a child of God and are in his household and you're not just a servant. So he's kind of laying this out to them. So, uh, okay, uh, 41, 42, Yeshua said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. So there you go. If, if, if someone is a child of God, they will love Yeshua. For I am proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of my, myself, but he sent me. 43. Why, or, uh, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. So again, he's tying this into what the prophet said. You know, if they, they will hear, but they will not understand. Because they're not, they're not of his household. And then he just lays it on. He can now hear my word. 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the less of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh it of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So he just lays it right out. He says, my word has no place in you, you're not children of Abraham because you don't do the works of Abraham, which is faith, living out God's word, doing it. And they seek to kill him. 
They're their, of their father. They have the seed. Of, they're, from, they're from beneath. They're from their father, the devil. Uh, and they're a servant of sin and death. And uh, even though they uh, can trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham, it doesn't matter. You know, we tend to say, um, you know, the, and, and, and I don't mean this derogatorily at all, but it's important that we get our nomenclature correct and that we stick to what this Bible actually says. We tend to say the Jews are the chosen people. And that is true, sort of. But what the Bible actually says is, Israel, my chosen. Now, you can be a Jewish person, believe in Yeshua, part of Israel, and then you're chosen. But you can also be a Gentile who gets grafted in and to the house of Israel by faith in Yeshua. You're in the house, you're a son of God, and you are also his chosen. So it doesn't have to do with, with the physical blood going through your veins. It's so important to understand that. Now, there are blessings that come with physical heritage. Those are the house of Judah, that, that, that bloodline house of Judah. To them, he has given the oracles of God, you know, and they have maintained the law. But that doesn't get you into the kingdom. It's not a free ride. That's why, and we're coming to the end of the Torah cycle, and Moses told them, you have to teach these things every generation because they don't automatically get transferred. They have to be taught, and every generation has to, to choose who they're going to serve because it doesn't get passed through physical bloodline. It's the seed of faith. That's why Abraham is the father of all those who believe. And so, like you had taught, Dad, that Abraham's so important, and that's what Paul is talking about. That the argument in the New Testament that Paul's making is not whether or not the Torah should be obeyed. It's, it's, that is not the argument that they're dealing with. The argument is, who is in the kingdom, and how do you get in the kingdom? Is it by your bloodline? Is it by your works? Or is God fulfilling what he prophesied that he would gather the nations and the scattered exiles and all those who by faith join themselves unto him will be accounted among the righteous, among the children of Israel? That's what he's dealing with. And along with a bunch of other things. And so if you, if you don't understand the premise of what was going on in the first century, you come to erroneous conclusions like, uh, like we have for 2,000 years. So... Anyway, there we go. Uh, keep going here. Ba -ba -ba -da. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, eight. Where are we going? You're not of God. They're of... Okay, here we go. Yeah. Oh, the father of the devil. 45. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. 46. Which of you convicted me of sin? And if I say the truth, why don't you believe me? He that is of God believeth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. So again, you know, this, and it's the idea of like Shema. It's to hear and appropriately respond. And so he's saying he is the light of the world. He speaks the words of his Father, but they're not hearing him. And so they're not of God because they don't hear his words. 48, then the Jews answered and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? So now they're just, you know... Uh, I forget the term you use, but you, you, you have to denigrate the person because you can't, you don't have an argument against their message, so you have to tear them down. We see that all the time today in the political world. You know, if someone says the truth, they're like, yeah, but, you know, you smoked pot when you were a teenager. 
So therefore, everything you're saying is, is garbage. You know, that's what's happening here. They're saying, yeah, well, <laughs> you're a Samaritan and have a devil, you know, because they can't combat his arguments. A Samaritan was a very derogatory thing because they were, they were half-breeds. I'm not going to get into all that. I've talked about that before. Um, and have a devil. And Yeshua said, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and uh, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. So, so again, they're here. They're, he's just really throwing them for a loop because again, they're thinking, they're thinking in terms of like what you're not going to die. <laughs> uh, never mind. The story I was going to tell, but I'm not going to tell it. <clears throat> um, so they say, now we know that thou have a devil. Abraham's dead, and the prophets. And thou say, if you keep my saying, he shall, he shall never taste death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? So they keep trying to come back to this. And the prophets that are dead, who makest thou thyself? Who do you think you are? Who, how do I know you are who you think you are? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so I lost my train of thought. Um, who... Uh, Oh, death. Yeah, never see death. He's, so he's not saying there that they're never going to die and they're never going to go into the grave. What he's saying is death, which goes back to the Garden of Eden, which I never, it took me forever to understand this principle. But when God said, you shall eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, die and you shall surely die. They, but, but they ate the fruit and I was always like, well, I don't understand it because they ate the fruit and they didn't just die, Right? Uh, it, because he said, in that day that you eat of it, you shall die. Well, they ate it, and they didn't die that day. So I was always like, I don't know, what in the world? But what God was talking about is death, biblically speaking, is, is what? It's separation from life. Who, who and what is life? It's God. What happened when they ate that fruit? They got kicked out of the garden. They did suffer death because they, they were they were separated from God and they were kicked out. So death, biblically, is separation from God. And so he's saying, if you believe in me, you'll never see death because you'll never be separated from me. And they're, they're, not, they're not following that. So, but he, And he's going to explain that to them because, because they, don't, they don't know him. So Yeshua answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. We're in 54. It is my Father that honoreth me, who ye say that he is your God. Yet ye've not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I'll be a liar like you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then they, the Jews said unto him, Art thou not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Yeshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And he just lo lays down the gauntlet. So they understand what he's saying, but they don't understand and they don't want to accept it and they don't want to receive it because to do so means they have to accept him as the Messiah. And he, they know that he's claiming to be the Messiah because he's saying unto them, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. In other words, Abraham knew the Messiah was coming. Abraham knew that God would one day come and save his people from their sins. And... 
Uh, they're like, well, you're not old enough to see Abraham. And he's saying, before Abraham was, why? Because I was the lamb slain from the beginning of the world, and it was always prophesied, and God lives outside of time, but he came in the fullness of time. And so he's saying, I am, I am God, Messiah. So they're mad. So now they take up stones to cast at him. But Yeshua hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, so passed by. <laughs> he just, uh, a Vulcan cl- uh, cloak, cloaking device, walks out. So, but they pick up stones in the temple. It's interesting there. Uh, people have speculated, like, there aren't just stones sitting around in the temple. Like, where did they get these stones to throw at him? Some people think, and, and I tend to agree with them, uh, when they re-consecrated the temple uh, during, I believe, if I'm getting all this correct, remembering, during the Maccabean period, when the um, Greeks had come in and they had defiled the temple and offered a pig on, on the altar, they didn't know what to do with those stones. They were, they were, they were uh, contaminated, so they couldn't use that altar. They had to cleanse it, and they rebuilt the altar with new stones. But they weren't sure what to do with those stones, so some people theor—actually, it's not theorized, but they put them aside in a pile aside. So some people think that they actually took up the stones of the altar, the, the desecrated altar, to throw at Yeshua to kill him, <laughs> which I think is pretty interesting. You know, here he is, the Messiah himself, in the temple, and they're trying to stone him with the stones of the altar. You know, it's pretty amazing. That's how bad it had gotten. That's how bad it had gotten. And so he had to come because it was falling apart and it would have just imploded on itself. Um, So there we go. There's chapter 8. Yes. Yep. No, it is. It's interesting. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, I, think, I think the timeline of the chapter was a day. It, I mean, it just seems to me like it was one, you know, one day, one period where he was, where he was talking. But it is interesting how it starts out. Yeah, stone her, you know. We're going to stone you at the end. And uh, so it's interesting. But... I don't know. I just love, I, this book has just been a blast to go through because, um, I don't know, just, just following what Yeshua says is so cool and so powerful and so uh, pertinent in, in just in life and, and, you know, as we, you know, try to walk out the Word of God and piece together all these different concepts that, that have been somewhat, you know, lost. I think that's why we're all coming back to uh, the Torah, coming back to the Word of God and seeing it in its continuity and that Yeshua didn't come to abolish. You know, He didn't come to destroy, but He came to fulfill, to uphold, uh, and um, to make complete. And, and it's interesting that, you know, in Orthodox Judaism, they say the, the Messiah will come back and he will teach us all things. Well, he did come back and teach us all things, you know, and that's what we have recorded. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I do thank you again for your word in this day. I pray that you would just uh, lead us into your truth and that we would walk out the word uh, diligently and, and uh, uh, that we would just continue to stay in it, read it, live it, do it. Uh, that we would be a light in the world for you. 
uh, that you would come and return quickly and reestablish your kingdom, setting all things right uh, and judging justly. And I just thank you for all these things. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors around.